All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. morning everybody welcome back to another episode of drop in the gloves thank you for joining us here glad to have you we're going to have a guest on maybe right tim we'll see he's a very busy man we have brian boyle coming back on the show he might jump on at any second we don't know he's an nhl analyst now so he's busy he said he was going to be up until 1 a.m analyzing things the nhl in particular so maybe he's sleeping. I don't know. I know he's got some kids. I know he has a wife. I know he has a life. And frankly, I don't care if he joins or not. I really don't. That's where I'm at right right now. What about you, Tim? Do you really want him to join? Yes, I do. And so do you. He's a great guest. And he's been tweeting out lots of good stuff. Good anal- analysis. And so, yeah, I'd love to have him on. Was that a Freudian slip? Anal- I was going to say anal- analyzing and then I stopped myself. And Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. I'm, I don't care if he shows up or not. I'll be honest. Ah. He's a great, great guy. Why? He's an awesome guy. Have some beers with him. Fantastic. It could care less if he joins the show. Just being honest. But if he does great, we'll pick his brain. He played for the Devils. He played for the Panthers. He's got some friendships on those teams. And he uh, analyzes things. So there you go. That's how we're going to say it, Tim, for the rest of the for, for the rest of eternity. Analyze. I think I'm just going to stop talking for the rest of eternity. Oh, don't tease me. <laughs> please pretty pretty please <laughs> anyways moving on we had some games last night we had a team officially eliminated tim from the second round of the nhl playoffs a little bit quicker than i think a lot of people might have thought going into the second round everyone's doing their picks the new jersey devils were a very trendy pick yes they struggled in the first round versus the rangers but there was a rangers team that loaded up went out and opened up the piggy bank brought in everybody they could They got by them. They're facing a Carolina team that is well-documented, missing some scoring, missing a lot of their top guys. They just got, they just got work to New Jersey Devils. Four to one, Carolina moves on to the second round. What did you think of this series? Because I know you're a big Hughes guy. We talk about it quite a bit. You have a little tattoo on your hip. What did you think of this second round matchup? Because this was pretty much a layup, I thought, going in. Yeah, I had Carolina losing in the first round, so I was totally wrong about them. And you thought, I mean, we like you said, well-documented. Pacioretty's out. You lose Fetchnikov, and all of a sudden, who's your finisher? Who's your guy? Didn't know it was going to be Jordan Martinook with 10 points in 11 games. 
Um, and so the Devils, they played they played pretty well. I think the two big knocks on them was the goaltending. You know, Akira Shmid came out of nowhere and, and he gave them some good games, but he also let up some beach balls, as as did Vanacek. They both got caught out of their net a couple of times. It cost them last night, or it almost did multiple times. These turnovers, there was one um, which Schmid was behind the net, didn't see the, the, the forward circling behind him, almost tucked it in on a wraparound. And so he's let a couple uh, bad ones in. They both got pulled to different points in the playoffs. And the other thing is... Um, as good as Jack Hughes was, Timo Meyer was not only invisible, but he was like hurting the team. Obviously, he didn't score very much in this entire postseason. He got a couple points toward the end, but there's that moment last night, this beautiful pass from Jack Hughes. Timo Meyer tucks it into the open net, except he misses wide from like two feet. And it's sort of a bad angle, but you're a professional hockey player. You bury that goal. You, John, you would have buried that goal. I don't know what was going no, on. No, I've missed. I was just thinking as you're saying that I've missed that shot. It's a very <laughs> harsh angle and there's someone pressuring you. I can't imagine being in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs when your life is on the line and you miss it. I will, yeah. I will defend Timo Meyer this. He started that whole play by stripping, I want to say Ryan Graves behind the net, not Ryan Graves, um, Chatfield. He stripped someone behind the net. He creates the play, but yeah, he should have fit. He should have finished. That's a, it's a great play by uh, Jack Hughes to get him the puck over there. Carolina missed an open net too. Yes, we're fast. Missed an open net in the first period, wide open. Skies it over the net somehow, got underneath it, kind of chipped it. But I, I don't think we can say enough about the depth of the Carolina Hurricanes. You mentioned Jordan Martinuk. I played with him in Arizona, I want to say. Good player. He has just embraced the second line role. He now has been thrust into with Jesper Fast and Jesperi Kokinemi. They're playing great because theoretically, Tim, they're missing their top three forwards. I know Sebastian Aho, three of their top four. We forget about Tuevo Teravainen's out too. He was a huge part with Pacioretty out, with Shvechnikov out. He was a big part of this offense and he's out. So you're missing three of your top four, three of your top five players and they haven't missed a beat. They continue to score. They continue to forecheck. They continue to be successful on the power play. They continue to do every single thing that you need to win games. It's the complete opposite of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the complete opposite of the Edmonton Oilers. Their depth is always questioned. The thing about Carolina, and it's been this way for years, it's defense and depth. It's like next man up mentality. And lo and behold, the same thing holds fast this series. Jesper Fast was fantastic. Jordan Martinuk was fantastic. Jack Drury's playing great. Young kid. Everybody's stepping up. Even the fourth line, Stepan, Stasny. They're playing really, really good hockey. So uh, I don't know who can beat this team. I really don't. I've been sleeping on them all playoffs long too, Tim. Yes, I thought they would win the first round because the Islanders were a good matchup for them because they're a very similar type team. Just Carolina was better. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Their defense looked great. Jalen Chatfield is that guy who you want in the back end. He's a bruiser. He gets up and down the ice fairly well, and he's just hard to play against. Then you got the puck mover and gossip spare and Brent Burns. He has taken drinks from the fountain of youth. The guy looks 10 years younger. He's flying around the ice. He's still getting a million shots. Yes. He kind of has lapses in the defensive zone. He's always done that, but he's playing with energy. I loved his interview at the end of the game. He's like, I feel good. I feel energized by these young guys. It's it's fun. I think he's just gotten so comfortable in San Jose, or excuse me, he had gotten comfortable in San Jose being around his group, Pavelski, Thornton, Marlowe, Couture, all those guys, they're not, I don't want to say old, but they're experienced, they're veterans, they have a certain way of doing things. You go to this young team, you're around young guys, Drury, Seth Jarvis, you kind of feed off that. It's almost like osmosis where it's like, I'm around young guys. I better 
start playing like a young guy again. And he's playing fantastic. I think Jacob Slavin, Jacob Slavin has just allowed him to kind of revert back to that young, exciting, carefree defenseman that he was earlier in his career with the Minnesota Wild. So it's it's neat to see him kind of not have a resurgence because he's never really fallen off, but to see that excitement level back in his game, because there was a few years there at the end in San Jose where it was just like, is that you, Bernsey? Is that you? Because he's used to flying around the ice, yipping and hollering and, you know, just being Brent Burns, being that character. So it, it's nice to see him back in the mix. But, yeah, have him, Slavin, Shea, Petchy, Gossespair, Chatfield. It's a pretty good defense, and it all kind of gets entwined with Rod Brindamore, the way he coaches this team. He has total control, all accountability. Everybody's pulling at the same time. And man, I tell you what, Tim, the way the East is shaken out, if Florida gets by Toronto, which we all think they will, who's the favorite? I know we're getting ahead because Toronto still hasn't been eliminated yet, but man, can you count out this Carolina Hurricanes team? If they do all of a sudden make it to the Stanley Cup finals, what what a year for them. After everybody thought they were dead in the water, losing Pacioretty in the first week of the season, coming into the playoffs, losing their leading scorer, Losing their best playmaker, arguably, in Tuevo Teravainen in the first round. They've overcome more adversity than any team I can think of in the recent history. Maybe Steven Stamkos for Tampa Bay. Like This this is quite a feat that they've been doing here for the first two rounds. I I like it. They're a good team. Well, yeah, in addition to losing those players, they also stood pat pretty much at the deadline. I think they added Gossespi or maybe one other small piece, but but not too much. And here they are now at the, at the end of the second round, and they have the second most goals for, second only to the Dallas Stars. And that's not something that anyone would have predicted. So, yeah, it's really, really special for them. And, um, gosh, I, I hope – you know what? We're getting lots of questions. People are wondering if Carolina keeps advancing, will the show send me to a game since I'm pretty close for some uh, in-arena content? What do you think? That would be fantastic, right? I think that would be great. You, I think, have a credit card, and you can make that happen. Right. There's a reimbursement form that we use, right? It just gets directed right to your house. So, yeah, (laughs) I think that would be a great thing. I think Seth Jarvis could get you tickets, to be honest. Like, who's he giving his tickets to? He's a single guy. He's only friends on the team. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't do a thing. The guy's like, just plays video games. That's all he does. I'm going to try to get him on the show. I was actually just about to text him. Because Brian Boyle is ghosting us. Let's talk about Brian Boyle for a second. Here's a guy who says he's going to be on at 11 a.m. It's 11.16 right now. What's that about? Talk about accountability. Why? Why would you ghost somebody? Tim? I asked him for 9.30, and he said, can can we go a little bit later? I'll be on the air until at least 1.30 the night before. And I said, how about 11? 11's great. Thank you. That was it. See you then. You could have easily said later. I don't care. It's fine. We're moving on. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Florida Panthers played last night. Toronto was facing elimination. I enjoyed Toronto's game, Tim. I enjoyed how they stepped up. I think not all the big guys stepped up and played better. I feel like they played a better team game. You watched the game. I watched the game. What did you think? A better effort from Toronto? Can we expect more in game five when they head back home? They're going to have the fans on their back. It's going to be fantastic. What did you think of this game for from Toronto? And conversely, from Florida, you think they let one slip away? I think they did. Yeah, better game from Florida. I mean, from Toronto, you're getting goals from Marner and Nylander, which is what you needed. I did watch most of this game. Matthews wasn't a big impact player. And I don't I don't want to use every time we talk about Toronto as a, ch- a chance to dump on Matthews because you got to give credit to the other the other core guys that scored that in those games. But Florida, now you're in a situation where you're, you're going back to Toronto. That's going to be a hard one to close out tonight. And if you don't, 
it's just it's getting tighter and tighter. And so I still think they close it out. I don't know about tonight, though. I think Toronto's got a little bit of momentum coming out of that game. I've been in this exact situation. We were down three rip in Chicago playing Vancouver. And you, I know the cliche is take it one game at a time. But after you win that first game, and we were heading to Vancouver because we won game four at home, much like Florida did. But we were uh, opposite, I guess. We were going to Vancouver. You start to get that little seed of belief. And and it starts to it's it's planted. So now Toronto has that little little nugget of hope in the back of their head. They're like, you know what? We win one more. It's three two, and that that that's definitely attainable. It's not three rip anymore. And and it starts to become something that is tangible. You can hold on to. When it's three nothing, it's like there's no way we can win four in a row. When it's three one, maybe if they can get to three two. It's very dangerous time. You don't want to give these guys any confidence. I think Florida, if they, and this is going on the limb. If Florida doesn't win in game five, this game, this series goes to seven. Toronto looked good. Even Justin with Wall played in good. Florida though. Yeah. I, I firmly, uh, it, confidence and momentum is a tricky thing. And I, w- I, I was in the locker room with my team. I was playing. I was on the ice, Tim. We were down three rep. We had no business winning. All of a sudden, game four comes around. Score a couple goals. You feel pretty good. You're like, oh, we can beat this team. Game five comes around. We smoked them. Absolutely ripped them. We're we're the better team. We deserve to win. Game six, we win. Close game. We win. I think I played eight seconds. I didn't play at all. Game seven comes around. We know we can win. We've won three in a row. Everybody's forgotten about the first three. Everybody remembers the last three. And so game seven, we have all the momentum. We should have won that game, if not for Chris Campoli in overtime, turning it over. Thank you very much, Chris Campoli. Took my Stanley Cup ring away from me. But all that aside, there's a nugget in the back of the Toronto Maple Leafs heads right now. And if I'm the Florida Panthers, game five has to be my best game. Because I don't want to go to game six at home. Because that scares me. You're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, let's not forget, they're a very good hockey team. And their best player, Austin Matthews, their best goal scorer, something's wrong with him. I, I I can't continue to watch him play and watch his effort level and his output and not think that something's wrong with him. Injuries are very tight-lipped in the playoffs. He has to have some kind of major injury. And maybe we're all going to have egg on our face after this playoff run when they release all the injuries. And he's like, I, I've had a broken ankle the whole the whole time. And I, and I haven't been able to say anything. Because, right? He doesn't look like Austin Matthews. He doesn't look right. There's something has, I hope for his sake, that something's wrong. Because if it's not, if, if, if the injury reports come out and he's perfectly healthy, you got to get rid of the kid. You got to trade him, right? Give, give up, get three first rounders, move on, trade him, trade him this year. You got to, because he, he definitely, he ain't the best player on his own team let alone on the ice. If I'm Toronto and I'm building a team for next year, he's fourth on my list. I'm taking Marner. I'm taking Riley. I'm taking Nylander. And Matthews is fourth. And Tavares isn't much better. Tavares, he needs to pick it up as well. Like, I I could go scorched earth on Tavares. I I think he's had a bad series. I think he's had a bad playoffs. He needs to pick his game up. That being said, they won. They got some production. They played good defense. Giordano. Lilligren back in the lineup. They played good. We'll see. 
I don't even think they play tomorrow. I think they play tomorrow, not tonight. They had two games yeah. in two two days, right? They played tonight. Yeah, they played tonight. I'll be listening. I got a big poker tournament. We'll put it on the TV. It's gonna be great. Oh, it's it's just like men. I love that. My life is full of women. It's just men, 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 me, men. men. That's uh, it wasn't that a TV show. Yeah, yeah, I forget what it was. Too many Charlie Sheen was in it. Drank Tiger Blood. Winning. All right, moving on. We did the Leafs. We did the Panthers. What are we talking about next, Tim? Let's talk about Dallas and the Kraken. Dallas won pretty decidedly 5 the 2 in game three at home. And now the Kraken have their backs against the wall. They they were up 2 to 1 in the series. Do you think this little Cinderella story is over? Or are the Kraken still a dangerous threat to win the series? Um, well, obviously they're dangerous. It's three to two. You know, they can win two games in a row, but I feel like Dallas is the better team and they're showing it. They're better all facets of the game. Ottinger played pretty good last night. Can we just talk about Joe Pavelski for a second? I know we, we touch on him a little bit. He's playing fantastic. He's got what? Seven or nine, seven goals, two assists in five games. He's scored every game, but one he's playing fantastic. Tim, he's 37 years old. Like he, what else do you want from this guy? It's so fun to watch him. It's fun to watch this team buzz around the ice. But to answer your question, yeah, this this series is over. It's it's done. I don't know where the next game is. Is it in Dallas or is it in Seattle? I don't. It's it's in Seattle. It's Saturday. I, I feel like Dallas closes it out. It was a fun story for Seattle, you know, but they they just don't have it yet. If you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you need some bona fide stars on your team. You can't just go through with a bunch of second line guys you have to have stars no pun intended the stars have that they have robertson they have pavelski they have rupe hints they have stars who can just produce at all levels at any time seattle doesn't have that do they who's their star tim Jaden schwartz jordan eberly yeah Mar- marty, marty bernier's veneers mccann uh, marty, maybe. yeah they don't have a star so I, I think once they grow as a team, once they try to sell players, that'll be the tricky part is selling players to go to Seattle. Yes, they have a good fan base to get over that hump of being an expansion team. Vegas did it pretty quick. They got guys to buy in. They'll be a good team. They need to go out and kind of just make a splash, get a big star, get two stars. Then they'll be really relevant for the Stanley Cup right now. This is a win for them. They made the second round. It's a good building block. Dallas is going to win and move on to the Western Conference Final. Who they play is up in the air. Edmonton Vegas played last night. Edmonton needed to win. They were down two to one. Vegas, if they win both games in Edmonton, it's lights out. You're going back to Vegas and you're going to win this series in five. Edmonton played great. The big dog stepped up. McDavid, Dreinsidel, everybody knows whose team this is. They played great. Edmonton wins. Vegas loses. And then the rough stuff starts. Darnell Nurse fights Nicholas Hagee. Alex Peter Angelo, soon to be hopefully friend of the show. Would love to have that guy on. He <laughs> yeah. he two hands, absolutely two hands. Leon Dreinsidel across the wrist. Didn't break his wrist. Maybe looked a little bit worse than it was, but it was a blatant slash. He wasn't going after anything but his wrist. He gets a one-game suspension. We're going into game five, crucial game five in Vegas. Both teams arguably missing their best defenseman. I know Evan Bouchard. I know there's other good defensemen on the Vegas Golden Knights I can't think of right now. You probably can list them off to him like that. I can't at this second. I'm just thinking about game five. Who's the bigger, bigger loss, Peter Angelo or is it Darnell Nurse? Which one is going to be more affected? Which team? I think P- Petrangelo is the, the bigger loss because you've got um, Bouchard, like you said, also Ekholm, 
And so that really takes a lot of that pressure off of Darnell Nurse. And a lot of people are pretty so critical of Darnell Nurse that they don't think it's that big a deal. I think it is. He likes some heavy minutes. He plays against the top lines. I know he makes mistakes from time to time, but he's still a key part of that defense. So for that reason, I think it's Petrangelo is the bigger loss. But they both are. And I'm surprised that it was the same level of suspension. That's kind of the big conversation right now on, on social media where you got uh, 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 instigating suspension for one game, even though Haig said that he uh, asked for the fight during the whistle, like before the faceoff. And so I don't know why that was upheld. I think some kind of critical rule that was automatically upheld. I don't think it was ever really officially under review. Meanwhile, Petrangelo could have easily broken Dry Subtle's wrist or arm or whatever. It was late. The puck was nowhere near him. It was just blatant. It wasn't a hockey play like McDavid said. And I'm surprised it was not more than two games. And so, I don't know. Do you think that is it, is it, does it strike you that these are the same level of suspensions for very different things? Well, the instigator one's silly. It's a, it's a dumb penalty. It's in the rule book. You have to, you know, it's the rule of the law. You you fight in the last five minutes and you have an instigator, you get suspended. They they should appeal it because Heggie dropped his gloves like a, a fraction after Darnell Nurse. It's a dumb penalty. I don't think it should be one, but it is what it is. It's a penalty. It's the rules. They got to enforce it. Who cares? Moving on. If Peter Angelo, it's, it's a game. If that's the regular season, it might be five, but it's the playoffs. It's the second round. Dryan Seidel didn't get hurt. He skated off the ice. He was fine. Yeah, regular season, it's three to five. Right now, it's a one. I think it's fair. I think everyone's getting all up in arms. I Move along. It's fine. They're going to get one game. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up for other team. I don't think it's going to be Evan Bouchard for the, the Edmonton Oilers. I think it's uh, Matias Ekholm who's going to fill that spot for Darnell Nurse. He's going to log a ton of minutes. Who's it going to be for Vegas? Shea Theodore? Is it going to be Alex Martinez? Alec Martinez? Who's the guy who steps up to fill the massive shoes left by uh, Peter Angel? Because he did a little bit of everything. Power play, penalty kill, starts every shift in the defensive offensive zone. The guy plays a ton of minutes. I agree with you. He's the bigger loss. Nurse has been playing very pedestrian this playoffs. So, gosh, Vegas. I love this series. It's going to be fun to watch. But, yeah, I think Peter Angel's the bigger loss. It's going to be interesting to me. Who is the guy who steps up in their place, much like Carolina? Guys are out. Who fills their shoes? Next man up. Can we do it? Can we make this happen? These are both really good teams. Dallas wants these guys to go to game seven, beat the tar out of each other because they're, they're just, well, Dallas hasn't won yet, but I, I think, I think they will. All right, moving on to what are we going to finish on? Some news in, in Philadelphia. Keith Jones has been hired as the president of the organization. What do you think about that? What's a good thing? Bad thing? Uh, interesting. Very interesting. Danny Briere, GM, Keith Jones, president. He's going to be in charge of all hockey operations, apparently, just like handing the reins over. Um, g- Good. You know, TV personality, getting a chance. Uh, old boys club, obviously played in Philadelphia for a long time. He's very much loved in Philadelphia. He, okay. I don't know. Right. Like he, he knows hockey. Is he good at talent? Like, is he good at evaluating talents? I, I don't know. It seems like a very safe hire for the Philadelphia Flyers. Only time will tell. I, it, now it's Briere and him making all the decisions. Do you trust those two guys, Tim? I I don't know. I have no opinion on this. I really don't. They're, they're walking into a team that's an absolute train wreck. They're going to go... And they're going to look at their salary and they're going to look at who they have on the ice. And they're going to look at what they've done the last four years. And they're going to say, man, we got a bad situation. We got to find a way to get away from Kevin Hayes and his 7.1 for the next four years. 
we got to find a way to get a, get rid of all these bad contracts on the back end. Rasmus Ristolainen and Provorov and Travis Sanheim. It, there's a lot of bad stuff in Philadelphia right now. Not a lot of good stuff happening. I don't see many good prospects, many good young draft picks in the pipeline who are going to come in and make an immediate impact. So their work's cut out for them. I, I don't envy them. And then on top of that, you have to deal with a John Tortorella. Like how, how is that dynamic going to work? Because John Tortorella is not taking marching orders from two former players who have never really been in this position. You think Torts is going to listen to Danny Briere, soft-spoken little Danny Briere? No, Torts is going to roll right over these guys. He's going to be like a steamroller. So it, it's going to be interesting who actually is pulling the strings in Philadelphia. Is it Keith Jones? Is it Danny Briere? Or is it Tortorella? Because... It, my money's on Tortorella. So, I don't know. Do you expect them to be better, Tim, next year at all? I mean, I, I don't think it'll be that different. I don't think you see that much growth. I think it's interesting, though, that Keith Jones has never worked in any front office or any capacity. He's been a broadcaster for like 15, 18 years, and then he's the president of the organization. It's quite a big leap. A lot of trust you're putting into him um, when he's never really held any front office position, like I said. He played at Western Michigan. Did you know that? I think I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he retired 2001. He's been broadcasting since 2005. He's written the book. Like he's been around the game. He knows it obviously very well. He played in it. But this is a big responsibility. This is this is a major franchise. This is a <laughs> it's a big role. I think I I think it's a good thing. I think he's he seems like a guy that that gets people to trust him. That works well with other people. He can navigate the the media, the player, the dressing rooms. He's done all that. But it's, this is a totally different role. So it'll be a good challenge, but I think he'll do pretty well there. Well, you know what it is? In- he's got a great head of hair on him. <laughs> if he doesn't have, and it's, I'm being perfectly honest about this. If he doesn't have the hair that he has, nothing. He's sitting at home. He retired and that was it. The reason he has a job on TV, he's got a fantastic hair. Like hairline goes straight across, three inches above his eyebrows. It's beautiful. And he, he can spin a sentence, you know, but there's a million guys who can do that. I can do that. I got a terrible hairline. I got Count, Count Dracula. Widow's Peak. It's embarrassing. That's why I'm not on TV. It's so bad. Tim, if if you played hockey, you would be on TV. You've got a great head of hair. Keith Jones has also got that perfect Patrick Sharp body. Six foot, 200 pounds. Keith Jones is fatter than Patrick Sharp is. Six foot two hundred is what it says. It is the perfect body, perfect athlete. But what do you, you know? Good for that, Brian Boyle. Perfect set, perfect head of hair. The one, the one debunking is Mike Rob. Guy's bald, so so bald, and he's he's got a job on TV. He's ugly. We should get him on the show. After I just called him ugly <laughs> to everybody. All right, what else, Tim? Then we'll get out of here. Brian, what is his deal? Does he, is is it a different time zone, Tim? Are we missing the time zones? No, my whole my whole agenda and plan for this episode was based around interviewing him. So I don't know what else we can talk about. The Ryan Reynolds. Of, one more Ryan Reynolds. Let's let's yeah. finish on that. And then maybe we'll touch on something else, but probably not. Ryan Reynolds apparently had a bid to buy the Ottawa Senators with his group. Whatever group it's called, he doesn't have a billion dollars. But they threw a bid at the Ottawa Senators and the NHL for apparently one billion dollars. The Ottawa Senators were valued at $800 million at the, the latest Forbes list. So they were $200 million over ask. 
Ryan Reynolds and the Remington Group, that's his group, they pulled their bid because they wanted an exclusive negotiating window that would have allowed them and his group to negotiate an exclusive deal for the LeBrayton Flats Arena location. So right now, the Ottawa Senators are located in Canada. They want to move them. They want to build a new arena. And the area that they've earmarked for that is called the LeBrayton Flats. So I, I guess Ryan Reynolds and his group wanted exclusive negotiating rights with the people who own that to say, hey, we want to buy it. We want to build an arena. Let's make a deal. Well, Eugene Melnick's group said no. Or Gary Bettman said no. I don't know who said no, but they said no, you can't have exclusive rights. Every other potential buyer can have that luxury to negotiate with the place where we're going to build our arena, rightfully so. Why why should you get exclusive rights to negotiate with this place when you don't even own the team? So I I don't know why he would pull the bid. I don't understand it. I'm on the side of the Ottawa Senators and the NHL. Somehow I'm on Gary Bettman's side if he's got his fingers in this. You don't give him exclusive rights. I, I don't know. I don't think earn that. I feel like until you buy the team, then you get exclusive rights. Right now, you're you're stopping any potential buyer from setting up their ducks in a row to see if they want to purchase this team. It's a massive, massive, massive purchase. 800 plus million. You want to make sure everything's set before you buy the team. Okay, we're going to have the land. We're going to get the arena. We're going to have this, this, and this. You're not going to bid on the team if you can't have those things in place. So, I don't know. What did you think about the whole situation? I think it's great. I don't really have strong opinions about it. What he did with that team in Wrexham out in uh, Wales or whatever in, in the UK was was really cool. But And he's Canadian. I think it would have been good for the league because he's so just like charismatic and, and energetic and young and handsome. And he would have been like a good, it would have been a good thing for Ottawa. But I, for the reasons you said, I get why that makes sense. Snoop Dogg is also in the mix of buying a team which is also kind of hilarious too. And um, I don't know. I just don't want it to turn into, I, I like that these celebrities are getting involved. I like, it's exciting. It's fun. I just don't want it to turn into like a joke. You know what I mean? But isn't it a good thing that's not the same old crusty billionaires that it's the, that are buying the teams every single time? I don't know. I, it's not like Ryan Reynolds is putting in much money. I feel like he's there to just make the bid sexy. You know what I mean? When yeah. I, When I first retired, from hockey, this gold company called me and like, Hey, do you want to be a partner for our company? I'm like, why? I don't know anything about gold. I don't know anything about mining. What do you want from me? All they wanted was my name, you know, to get investors, to get eyes on their product. There's a, there's a hundred mining companies in Canada and they wanted to be one that stood out. So they changed their whole name. They changed their name to enforcer gold, John Scott, and so I, I bought on. The only reason I bought on is they gave me money. And they would fly me out to these mining events. I'd go to Vancouver. I'd go to Toronto. I'd go to Montreal. Is this and a true would, story? True story. <laughs> Enforcer okay. gold. And I learned about mining, um, strip mining, gold mining. Um, and I would just go to these conventions. And they would pay me money. And I would be the show pony. And people would come up and be like, oh, you know, you're a partner for Enforcer Gold. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here? What I don't know what about. And I don't know what if they're still around. It was um, a guy by the name of Steve. I'm not going to give out his last name. Great guy. Went and saw the site that they were going to mine. Great. Went and talked to the Native Americans who lived up there because you have to like schmooze with them and give them stuff. So I, like, I did everything. I, I was on site. So it, it was definitely an interesting kind of summer. I think it lasted for a year. And they pay me a salary and they'd pay me money to go. It was, it was bizarre. Tim. 
so bizarre. But it's the same thing with Ryan Reynolds. He's not putting much skin in the game. I think he's probably maybe putting in a couple schmill. The rest of the billion is from this Remington group. But Ryan is the face of the bid. People get excited. Ryan Reynolds, good, good, good. Uh, you know, Deadpool, this and that. Who cares? He's not going to be one of the owners. He might have a box and people can, you know, go and get a picture with him. But he's not writing the checks. But I don't know. I can't believe you never told that gold story before. It, it sounds like you're describing a dream you had or something. Like <laughs> it's a crazy sequence. They did rename. I just looked up. They renamed themselves Pasafino Gold Limited in 2019. They are publicly traded. You can go find that information. But yeah, that's a cool thing. Why'd you, why did Why did it end for you? I don't know. They just stopped paying me. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to the events anymore. Like it, it just kind of ended. I think we had a year contract. And it was funny. Like, do, do you want to be paid in shares or cash? Cause they were like, we'll give you more shares of the company or you can have cash. I'm like, let's just do cash. Cause like this, this company is going nowhere. I don't know how gold works, but I like, you can just dig it up out of the ground and get it. So I don't know. They were a micro company. So the way they worked was, they bought a big chunk of land in northern Quebec. They were going to do some test strips where you do like a five feet wide, three feet deep bore, and you get the gold and you say, hey, look, there's gold here. And then you pass it on to a massive company and they come in and do this to complete scorched earth and just mine the whole area. So because it costs a lot of money to do that. So this company, Enforcer Gold, whatever it's called now, Palisades, or I can't remember what you said, but that's what they did. They're They're more of a find it exploratory type company you could say but yeah i got to meet some pretty neat people in the mining i heard one story from a guy because you would go to these things you'd you'd be drinking it was it was just a big party you know you can imagine mining guys they're just kind of rough cut a little bit one guy was telling me he was in the rocky mountains mining for gold no one around just him by himself prospecting he sees a grizzly bear about 75 yards across the valley. And he's like, oh boy, grizzlies are just the scariest bear on earth. You, do you know grizzly bear, Tim? Do you know yeah, what that I've is? never met one, but oh yeah, I love it. Like bears. a big Kodiak, a big guy, probably like 2,000 pounds. It dead sprints at him. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have anything. He's stuck. He's in the middle. Like he gets dropped off by a helicopter. He's done. He's going to die. The grizzly bear dead sprint right at him. The only thing that saved him 20 feet in front of him at the perfect time a goat walked in front of his path and the bear just dummied the goat instead of him so he saw that he sprinted back to where the helicopter dropped him off set off a flare or something or called somebody got a satellite phone and got picked up and he's like i never went back in the woods and this was his fault he's like i should have brought my shotgun he's like i never went back by myself or without a shotgun but he's like i was dead right so this bear was 20 feet in front of me and it's a two-ton animal. Like, it's massive. And they're the most lethal killers on Earth. I would take a Kodiak bear in a fight on land over any other animal. On Earth. Yeah, I, I watched a documentary on bears a couple of years ago. I still think about it all the time. They're just so versatile. They can run, climb, swim. They can eat anything. They're so strong. They're so big. Yeah, it's hard to argue. I guess maybe a polar bear. Yeah, they're the biggest. And yeah. they swim too very well. Yeah, we used to watch them at the garbage dump in Edmonton. <laughs> That's so sad. 
It was sad. There's really like pure white polar bears and there's just nosing through the trash. <laughs> Shouldn't be this way. Nature. I'm like, thank you very much. Get out of here, polar bears. But there was a black bear right by my house the other day. Someone almost hit it with their car. So my kids have been sleeping in the tent outside too. I'm like, is this good parenting? No. Probably not. It's you, a canvas tent though. If they don't if they don't come in and interrupt you, will you sleep better or worse if they're out there? Like would you be up all night just worrying? I sleep in the basement on the couch with the door screen door open so I can hear everything. Yeah. yeah. It makes me nervous. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing this uh, weekend? I'm playing poker tonight. And then hopefully watching someone dig up my drain field. And I could flush the toilet without having the water on top of my driveway. That'd be fun. Nice. That'd be sick. What about you? You got something planned? Uh, I actually booked a little Airbnb Sunday through Wednesday. I'm still going to work and record and everything, but it's like this cool little A-frame out in the mountains in Western North Carolina. Just a little mountain getaway with the dog and I. So that'd be fun. Don't you hate how people do that, listeners? They ask something because they have something to share. Tim didn't care what I was doing this weekend. I don't remember he just wanted, yeah. yeah, he just wanted me to ask him because he wanted to say that he rented an Airbnb. It's very self-serving, but I like it. It's you good. would love it. It's up in the mountains, very quiet. Very I remote. do love myself an A-frame. I own two A-frame homes. They're beautiful. I'm going to bring well, a stack of books and just unplug. Yeah, that sounds... Ask me what I'm reading, John. What are you, what are you reading these days, by the way? All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, thanks to Brian Boyle for joining us. It was really great talking to him. Hey, thanks, Always Brian. good catching up with a friend. And uh, we'll talk to you Monday, everybody. Go out, watch some hockey. Have some fun this weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.